This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, the suffering Podcast. Podcast. Our bodies have an expiration date, and from the moment we are born, the clock starts ticking. Events happen in our lives that leave us with everlasting marks that we would soon like to forget. Whether it's our vanity, hubris, self-esteem, or quality of life, we're conscious of how we're presented to the world, always wishing to show the best of us, the inner beauty projected outward. It is often the most beautiful people who have the most scars. What if there was a magic wand that could erase reminders of the scars that damage our soul? With the flick of a wrist, all our pain is taken away and replaced with peace and fond memories. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we sit down with Dr. Stephanie Cohen to discuss the suffering of a plastic surgeon. Dr. Cohen helps repair the lasting scars and help breathe new life into people, maybe leaving some of the old scars behind. Dr. Cohen, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, my pleasure. Doc, before we get into it, could you do anything with this? I, I knew that was sick. coming at least I'm, once. I know. I'm sick of looking at this every week. You know, my primary subject is my husband, and he I, he always asks, what can you do with my nose? And I say, absolutely nothing. There's nothing I could do to help it. I He's wear... got the biggest nostrils you ever seen. <laughs> he picks his nose like yeah. this? <laughs> See, on the other hand, I can't get my finger up my nostril. Could you give me bigger nostrils? <laughs> you lucky I can't hit your hit your elbow to go right up and stab your brain. Kevin, you're beautiful. <laughs> Before we the get first in... time he's ever heard that, but go ahead. Before we get into anything, we have to throw a shout-out to Toyota of Hackensack. Mm. We buy our cars from Toyota's of Hackensack, and that's because we don't trust anybody, and we do trust them. So go to toyotahackensack.com, let them find you a car, and when you're driving home in your new Toyota, go to Frontline Cigars. There's nothing better to celebrate than a Frontline Cigars, a Chicago-based cigar, cigar company uh, run by two police officers, a 15- and a 30-year veteran. They really do their best in order to help the cigar community gel together and, and, and be more family-oriented. So go buy a Toyota. And enjoy them with your new Frontline cigar. If you get plastic surgery, could you have a cigar right after it to, you well, know, to celebrate your plastic surgery? That would be the surgery? worst thing you could do. Didn't you ever see that Seinfeld <laughs> episode where uh, Kramer was smoking all those cigars? His face looked like a catcher's mitt. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the Junior Min episode. Oh, <laughs> that's another good one. That's another good surgery one. Uh, Dr. Cohen, we, we take questions from our audience every week. This week's social media question comes from Kelly. And it says, what advice would you give your younger self? So I'm going to pass this one off to you since you're our guest. Oh, boy, it started off with a really hard one. <laughs> we don't make it easy here. The little, the little Dr. Cohen walks into this room, and what would, you, what would you tell her? Boy, that's hard. I, you know, it's funny. When I was – I had this really kind of advanced feeling when I was a kid that I was going to do something like this. And so, and I did. So there, there's. I was going to say, was it a lifelong dream of yours? Yeah, I think it wasn't a hundred percent a dream. It was my dream of my father, uh, for me to be a plastic surgeon or for me to be a surgeon, really. To be a doctor, uh, to just be a in doctor, general. mostly a surgeon. No, doctor wasn't good enough. It had to be a surgeon. Uh-huh. My father was a gynecologist, and uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, there was no, no, no getting out of being a surgeon. I was like, he would like whisper it to me in my crib. So, um, so it was going to be that, or it was going to be nothing. And I was actually an art, an artist, and I, I was going to go to art school and instead of going to medical school. Well, you just chose a different art. 
Well, exactly. So I had a high school art teacher who said, yeah, you know, your dad really wants you to go to medical school and you're good at science. And so, you know, you could be an artistic doctor. And Nick, uh, your father wasn't a gynecological surgeon. He was, was he? yeah, yeah. He was a surgeon? Yeah. He yeah. Did, really? He did vagiplasty. Va- yeah. Vagiplasty. <laughs> no, that's what a plastic Va- surgeon Vaginectomy. Does. That's what a plastic <laughs> surgeon is. It says plastic at the end. That's what a plastic surgeon So if you does. were to go back and talk to that young lady. Yeah, gosh. What would what I would tell you, her? What would you tell her? I would tell her, uh, keep plugging away because it's all going to be okay in the end because <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're younger you can't see the, you can't see the, the the long run you can't see the picture at the you know the light at the end of the tunnel yeah you have to go through all that you know the hard work and everything before you get yeah there. there's a lot of hard work to get to plastic surgery it's a long 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 i'm sure t- time um i it, there's uh again i always had this sort of weird feeling that i was gonna get there um and that i i knew how to get there. And and I was going to do it different than other people. Cause you know, when I went into surgery, there weren't a lot of women in surgery. There were very, very few. So, that's, a, that's a whole other subject. Yeah. Female surgeon. Yeah. What do you think? Oh well, yeah. I never aspired to be on a podcast. I know that. And if I would have talked to my younger self, I would have said no to that. But, you know, I, I just keep pushing ahead, you know, <laughs> yet you keep coming back. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> there weren't a lot of people telling me what to do or how to do it, yeah. you know? So yeah. just, I, I always had this idea that I was going to get there. And so myself now would say, you got, you know, you did it. You got there. It's, mm. it's, it's actually almost harder when you get there and you don't like, you're like, okay, now what do I do? Well, yeah. I got there. What, was there like a, a feeling of accomplishment, accomplishment when you got there? Yeah. Was it, it's was such it? a long yeah. process. You finally though. just said, kind of I'm weird here. yeah because you're like what do i do with my life now that i'm not striving to get there anymore you know you have to keep working on yourself then that's that's harder yeah 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 my whole thing you just keep pushing on you know set yourself a goal is that what you would tell your younger self other than yeah keep get minoxidil real early there's a lot of things i would i would tell a kid but we are a mixed company right now but i can't say anything <laughs> don't sleep with this girl and don't don't go near this one and- stop touching that <laughs> You're going to go blind. <laughs> Get hairy palms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, you know, just, you know, set your goals. Get, find out something that you want early in life. You know, a lot of people, they go to college with no purpose in life. Yeah. Oh, that's. You know, they're just going to go to college and say, yeah, I'm going to go to college. Yeah. For yeah, what? To, exactly. For, For what? what? I'm going to go right. to any, what you, you wind up taking up a space. You know, and like I said, I went to college for a year and I realized that wasn't for me. And I said, I, I have a, you know, at that point when I'm 18 years old, I, Set a goal in my life. I, I always said I wanted to be a professional football player. Then I learned I was too slow, too short, and too white. And then I, I always wanted to be a cop. So I set my goal on becoming a cop. Well, and there you got to adjust what your goal is sometimes. Yeah, exactly. well, that's that's the adjustment. You, sometimes part. Yeah. you hit, you that's hit those one. crossroads. Yeah. Well, you, you know? had to learn. So one of the prerequisites for college, and probably the reason why you had to leave, is is one of the prerequisites you had to read <laughs> and and know how to read above a third grade level. Yeah, see, I I had a fourth grade level, so I was accepted. <laughs> you were college. accepted, okay. Yeah. Um, for for me, if I here's if I, a guy who can't get through an intro without stumbling all over himself, and he's telling me he's, I got to read. But there's ahead. but there's a reason why I read the yeah, intros because there's a lot of big words in there. Yeah, uh, and you got no glasses on. Now. Yeah, I know. But if I were to look at that little kid, and I I would number one do my best to try to give him some guidance that lacked in my life, try to give him some direction, try to tell him that. Yeah, life's going to kick you in the ass several different times, but there is a way out and it does get better. Tomorrow is a new day. The sun always rises. All those little pieces, all those little pearls of wisdom that you tell yourself every day when you, you get a little down, you get a little, little low, 
Um, and, you know, like everybody else, I'd say, okay, stay away from this person and don't go here and don't go here. You know, that if you had that time machine. But ultimately, I'd tell him, in every walk of life and every mistake that you're going to make, and you're going to make a lot of them, you are absolutely right where you're supposed to be at all times. Don't ever think you're in the wrong place or the wrong time. Don't ever think you have bad luck. That's where you're meant to be because it's going to make you who you are eventually. And listen, ho- hopefully in 20 years, I get there. Well, the other thing is don't be afraid to fail. That's you another, learn, that's you learn more, more off of your failures than you do off of your successes. Yeah. And nobody's you know, going keep, in a straight line. If you keep there. succeeding in everything, you're really not going to learn much. You got to fail in order to you know pick yourself up and, and come back as a stronger person. Kelly, thank you so much for sending that in. I really do like that question. I like that question a lot because I, I – We could go on all night about yeah, that. Yeah, but we are sitting here – unfortunately, we are sitting here with royalty. We are sitting here with the the <laughs> breast whisperer. Right. I was going to say breast royalty. The breast <laughs> – the breast of the breast. Uh, Dr. Cohen, you're, obviously your your specialty is is breast reconstruction. Yes. And I have read your biography. I have read a little bit about you. Yeah. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, where I trained and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the hardest question we could ask people. I tell know, us about really, yourself. About myself. I could, I could tell talk you for the anatomy of, of anything minutes. on your body and you could spell it out textbook. <laughs> but Well, I was a nerdy little kid yeah. and then I went to medical school and, uh, no, I, I, where, where were you born and raised? You were born and raised in this I'm area? From, I'm from, uh, I was born in Brooklyn. Actually, and uh, my dad was a was a doctor. He's a gynecologist, and uh, his dream was always for me to be a doctor, which is amazing too. Coming from a police officer's background, it's the one thing I didn't want my son to do. It's just like mm. playing football, yeah. playing football till I was twenty two. Mm-hmm. I never wanted my son to play football. Well, guess where he gravitated to? <laughs> you know, that's all he wants to do. Well, it was the opposite of my family. He he really literally whispered it to me in my cradle. It was like it was an it was an inevitability. It was going to happen. Um, but I did. I went to medical school. Loved it. Went to. Uh, I knew when I went to medical school that I was going to do <clears throat> surgery. And if it wasn't surgery, I was going to leave medical school and be like an architect or something because I wanted to do something. I knew it was going to be something physical with my hands. I was an artist when I was a kid. Well, aren't you really like an architect now? Now, though, yeah, you yeah, can build. Yeah, yeah. My building favorite architect, stink, by the way, thing. is Art Vandelay. Oh. <laughs> and cool. and for those out there who can pick that one out, you you watch way <laughs> too much you. TV. Yeah. <laughs> Went right over my head, so I don't watch too no, much. No, that's TV. not hard to do. You're kind of short. If, if it wasn't on a re- re- rerun of Friends, I don't know who. Well, Art it was Seinfeld. Vandelay. Seinfeld was that was George's alter ego. It was Art Vandelay, the architect. And he was also a latex salesman, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, but we were saying before, I didn't, you know, go into medical school and say, gee, I want to be a boob doctor. You but know, there, there that, was that no, didn't happen it wasn't way. like a clear cut direction. It's like, I want to be a surgeon. Yeah. Back, back, back when I did my training in order to be a plastic surgeon, you had to go through um, general surgery first. So we all trained in general surgery. And that's like, that's like the boot camp. you know, it's like the army of, 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 of uh, medical training. so And you practice uh, on cadavers when they're going through the training? No, no, you do that in your first year of medical school. That's yeah. sort of like the rite of passage, you know, to, uh, to to get you through that section and then and then have you be acquainted with 
suffering and death and that kind of and that kind of sort thing of gets on to topic. see if you got the stomach for it, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and uh, mostly, I didn't like the smell of that. The smell of it's <laughs> pretty. Terrible. When you get into the bowel tract, it's pretty bad. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's, the smell of death it's, is terrible. It's, it's bad. Yeah. Um, but uh, when you go into surgery, you learn mostly your anatomy from actually seeing it in the operating room, and that's much different than when you see somebody after they've after they're gone. So uh, that's that's a whole different that's a whole different experience. You get to see people wake up after surgery. You do. That's always that's always that's always not, these, not working good on these dead people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, you train through you train through seeing it, you know, live and in action, and then doing it a little bit and uh, and getting through that. Well, have but, you had you performed before you chose your your field? Had you performed? I, I don't know the path of a surgeon. Yeah. Okay. That's that's basically the question I'm asking you. Is did you have to perform different types of surgeries or assist or do things you like know that? What's really interesting about surgical training. No one ever tests whether you can like use all ten fingers. You know, they really don't. Are I you mean, good it's with surprising. A it's yeah. no, seriously, it's a surprising to a lot of people that they don't like take you to a Chinese restaurant and see if you can use chopsticks. You know, like nobody ever does that. There's no, there's no test for that. Um, Finger dexterity test. They, yeah, they, yeah. There's nothing to that. Um, they bring you to the operating room, and eventually, you, you know, you'll see it. But when you do have to apply for your surgical residency, so medical students do four years of med school after college, and then we all go to residency. Residency um, can be a surgical residency or it can be a medical residency. Um, but surgeons all go through surgery training and. When I did it, uh, it's a little different now, but when I did it, we did five years of general surgery training first, and then we all did our plastic surgery fellowship, which is usually another two or three years after that. So, so you're in, that's like a le- you're 11, 11 years into years, it. 11 years, yeah, 11 years. Um, See how I did the math on the fly like that? That was pretty that was good. good. That was, was good, good, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I counted. That's, not, but that's that, not easy to no, do. I got flip-flops on so I could use my toes. While you're doing this, yeah. are you are you getting paid because or do you have to work a side job? So you start getting paid after medical school. So you get okay. paid in residency. Yeah, my husband and I were in residency in New York City. We each made $30,000 a year. In New York City. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So you weren't living in New York City then. <laughs> yeah, no. And everybody, and you have that doc. Doctor, yeah. you have that sheepskin on the wall, and everybody's thinking, "Hey, you're a doctor. Oh, yeah. You're living large." Well, no, living in an apartment yeah. building, saying, well, "Hey, the, the two only, people next to us are doctors." The only saving grace is I was never out of the hospital, so you know, you ate there, you slept there, you lived there, so I didn't need to spend a lot of money outside the hospital. You got you got real good at sleeping on a hospital gurney, I guess. Right? So you, your, was, your husband's was, a, your husband's was, a doctor, my, also. He's a psych, he's a child psychiatrist. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so he had a much easier residency time than I oh, did. Don't say that at home. Oh, I, I say it all the time. You know, be sleeping on the couch. You know, or he'll be sleeping on the couch. But you get to look at boobs all day. He has to deal with childhood trauma. I'm, <laughs> Whose I'm, job is harder? I'm right? going to tell you right now, I'd rather have your job. <laughs> I think her husband rather have her job. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told you when he when we were in our residency training and he was a he was a child psychiatrist, um, every time we went to a party, everybody always wanted to talk to him about their kid. They wanted to ask questions. They wanted to know what to do. And the day, the minute I became a plastic surgeon, nobody wanted to talk to him anymore. Anybody, everybody wanted to talk to me. <laughs> well, did you ever see her husband though? He's like this. He's big. Oh, he's got he's got the big cans. Yeah. Yeah. Practice on him first. I, I just used one of the common vernacular terms for that men use for women's breasts. It's like, hey, it's a nice set of cans. It's boobs. Let's get them all out. Like there, you know, it's that first day of sexual ed, his sex ed. That sex ed. You got to get them all out of there. You know, and, and I'm sure being around an operating room. Yeah, oh yeah, we go through everything. You go through everything. I, I think, uh, uh, actually, in my practice a lot, when I'm talking to my awake patients, I use the term boob all the time. Um, and I think it kind of puts people at ease. It disarms people. And it I'll tell completely you, does. I'll tell you why, because I've been vasectomized, mm-hmm. okay? After my second kid, I was done. And my doctor, you're real nervous. I did it as an outpatient, so I was awake during it. 
And my doctor says, okay, drop your drawers and hang trowel. That's exactly what he said to me. And I go, what did, what did you what just did say? say? What did you just say to me? But, but vasectomized isn't a word. No, I just made it up. That's another, put that in a podcast. It's the Miriam Donaldson dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, okay, but you're, you're hundred percent correct. Cause what yeah. it did was disarm me. I was so nervous. My, right. my heart rate was like, it was up to about 140 yeah. just sitting there calm, but he just, he brought me down. Yeah, and the last thing people want to hear is you give throwing out medical terms. medical term terms. Yeah. You know, nobody cares. It wasn't it wasn't antiseptic. It right. was it was personal. Good right. guy's holding my boys. I mean, I got to, <laughs> you know what? It doesn't get any more personal than that. And you deal with the same thing. Yeah, you're really giving people back their lives yeah. a lot of the times because everybody thinks a, a breast augmentation is you know you're you're going to make these uh, getting breast implants. You know, somebody who's smaller just wants to get no. It's it's a lot more than that. Right. Well, you have both different realms, right? You yeah. have the cosmetic aspect of it, which can make <clears throat> people very happy and can change somebody's life really quickly, you know. Makes guys um, happy, I know that. For sure, for sure. But that <laughs> that also makes women happy, right? You know, they wanna, I, I find women like, women want breast breast augmentation more than men. I feel more comfortable when a woman comes to me and tells me she wants it than she tells me that her boyfriend wants it to have it that always makes me more uncomfortable because i don't really because know you don't what the know what they're what the, the the female's mindset's really going to be yeah, is she gotta, getting it for the right reason right yeah you got to be looking you got to be looking for that stuff um but um but you know actually i have a story about a psychiatrist and a plastic surgeon along that realm is sounds that, like a beginning of a joke exactly <laughs> uh my my uh my husband and i were talking and he had a friend who was a psychiatrist who had a patient who had been working with this this woman for quite some time, and she was very insecure and had been working with the psychiatrist for a long time and um, had heard that Peter's wife was a plastic surgeon and said, listen, you know, as an aside, this this patient of mine wants to have a breast augmentation, and can she go to your wife? And so she came, and I did a breast augmentation, and the psychiatrist called me a few weeks later, and she said, I hate you. And I said, <laughs> why? And she said, because I've been working with this woman for like two and a half years, and I have gotten nowhere, and in an hour and a half, you changed her whole life. <laughs> but she won't even go to him anymore. That's it. I'm fine, Doc. So you also do reductions, I'm assuming, too, I right? do a lot more reductions, actually. Than Which I think is a slap in the face to God. I'm yeah. sorry to tell you. It's like God gave you this gift and you just, sl- but I, will, I understand. I it. will tell you the breast reduction patients I have are the happiest patients. Because they don't have back it's, it's tough on the lower back if happiest they're that big. I have. Right? Yeah. Yeah, like he's got to get. I've never had that problem. All, he's got to get a headectomy carrying around that melon on top of his shoulders. <laughs> no, it's because it's my hurting big, his it's back. Because my brain, my brain is so big. <laughs> it's a swollen but, head. What, if you do a breast reduction, yeah. right? It's really fat that's in there. Is that correct? And gland, which is looks like fat. What, what do you do with that after it? Make soap. <laughs> do you like put it into the next patient? Hey, listen, I just got, I just took recycle. You know. I yeah, get exactly. a lot of requests for that. Yeah. <laughs> Could you just take it out of my friend? Cause she yeah. doesn't need it. <laughs> That's and where I was going. Me, please. Uh, no, you can't do that. Uh, no. It goes to the pathology lab and they do look at it actually, which is kind of a waste of time. Cause I don't often find anything, no. but, um, but it does all any, any body tissue removed from a human, you have to send to, to pathology and they will look at it to make sure there's nothing. No breast cancer, no nothing. Bad. And it's got to be held for a certain time, correct? We weigh it, um, yeah. and then it and then it goes on a slide, and then and then they dispose of it. They burn it. Somebody, I read a story a long time ago. I can't remember where I read it. If they if they remove something off of your body, there's a time frame. Then it's got to it's got to sit before it gets disposed. You know, I don't of. even know what the time is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even. Once know what it goes to pathology, you don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I get a report, and that's that's what I know. How long does it get 
take to get the report back. So maybe that's how long it takes. It takes to get a week. Yeah, there you go. Well, there, there are so many different types of plastic surgeon specialties. Right. There's right. rhinoplasty. There's Botox specialists. Yeah. There's and and Botox seems to be the big one now. Right. Well, that's um, very common. I mean, not all plastic surgeons. No, take it back. All plastic surgeons can do Botox, but not everybody who does Botox is a plastic surgeon. Yeah, nurse practitioners can do it, correct? Uh, dermatologists, gastroenterologists. Gastroenterologists. Uh, yeah, there's lots of people who do Botox who didn't train as plastic surgeons. Because that seems to be the big that's thing. Good. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I just I'm not going to go there with that one. I'm 48. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. You know, this. But what I was going to say when we were talking about the breast reduction is that, um, that, you know, that's, that's one side of my practice, the side where people want something and, um, I give them what they want, you know, and for whatever their, their motivation is, I change their life, I make them happy, I make them feel better, whatever it is. And then there's the other side of my practice, which, you know, started off my practice probably about 75% of my, my, my active practice was breast cancer and breast cancer reconstruction. And now it's a, I'm so busy with everything. It's about 50, 50. So, so you had people two two parts of it. You had people that needed it. Yeah. People that wanted it. Right. You know, the people that wanted it, want the breast augmentation or the right. breast, you know, breast implants and everything. Then right. you go with the cancer patients right. who are people who need it. And, and doing the, the, the stuff that's wanted is, is fun and, and it can make people feel really, really happy. And you can, as a plastic surgeon, it can make you feel really good about yourself. But my passion is for helping people in the way that I help them when I do breast cancer reconstruction. And that's a whole different thing. It's the choice that yeah. gets me. So women have the choice of, of having this option. If this was, if there was some sort of augmentation for men, this is the imbalance. It would be in the Constitution as an amendment, <laughs> oh, as a God-given right that the government would pay for. If, and I'm dead serious with that one. No, I'm, you're right. It would be, it would be a right oh, more absolutely. than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I like that. Oh yeah, all 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 day long. <laughs> but you, um, now there's a new trend that. I obviously came out with Angelina Jolie. She had both her breasts removed yes. as a preventative measure. Measure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's upside. There's there's a plus and a minus to that. I see. I see. Hey, listen, it's great. You're you're getting ahead of the curve until it hits you. But at the same same time, it's very uh, elitist, in my opinion, in order to do that because not everybody has that option. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and not everybody gets offered the option to even know that they need it, right? Because right. you need to have a blood test and it's a special blood test and it has to go to a special lab um, to find out that you have the gene. And if you have the gene, then you have, you know, the, then you talk to the plastic surgeon and uh, then you get given the option in order to do that. And uh, have you come across this? Right. Sure. Yeah. We yeah. do prophylactic mastectomies for, for, for patients who have BRCA. Prophylactic. Yeah. Prophylactic. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> well, the, the only other prophylactic I've ever heard of is not. <laughs> of course, that was going to go there, right? <laughs> right. You got to realize means- where his brain runs. <laughs> prophylactic means you're doing it to avoid something else, right? To, to protect okay, against that something makes, else. Okay, that makes right? sense. That makes but no, so- in, in a case like that, you could actually get your breast removed and get implants put in. Will that prevent breast cancer? Yes. So there's a gene you can inherit generally from your mother's side um, called the BRCA gene. Um, And there are some other genes now, too, that they're finding. But mostly the BRCA gene, it means that if you have a certain type of BRCA gene, you have an 80 percent chance of getting breast cancer in your lifetime. So, you know, that's a 
kind of a no-brainer if you know that you have that and you know you're going to get breast cancer. If you remove the breasts, um, you can reduce the risk of getting breast cancer by about 96 to 98%. Wow. So that's a big, you know, that's a win, that's a win-win. That's yeah. that's not a, that's not a lot of thinking about it. If you reduced it by 15% or 30%, that really would be a much bigger yeah. right, that would be a much bigger choice, I think. But this is sort of kind of a no-brainer, you know. It's like uh, you can remove you know, and the only reason it's 98% is cuz you can't physically remove 100% of the breast tissue. So that's the only reason why it's not 100%. No, nothing in life is 100% except death. Right. I mean, well, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. about the entire scope of your practice, specifically as it relates to to boobs. Right. <laughs> boobs. Because it's not all boobs either. It's, but <laughs> he, he you, said boobs. Yeah, so I'm trying to make sure I hit all the points of what you do. You do right. augmentations. You do reductions. You do lumpectomies. You do... And I'm, I imagine you do some men too, because so I don't do men? the lumpectomies. Actually, there's oh, a difference okay. between myself and a breast surgeon, who okay. is a general surgeon, and is also a cancer surgeon. Mm-hmm. So technically, I'm not a cancer surgeon for breast because I'm not removing the. Cancer. You come in afterwards. I do. I yeah. come in and just after do the, the engine's rebuilt, part. you come in. Yeah. Put the tires yeah. back with oil. Yeah, I was thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking about that before I came. I, I, there's, there's two issues when you talk about breast cancer you know there's the cancer issue and then there's the the you know the amputation issue there's the, the reconstructive issue what you're removing and so my part is really the the, the reconstructive portion although what the, what usually happens is every woman who finds out she has cancer from their gynecologist or their breast surgeon or the person who did their mammography or whoever they found it out they they start processing it and then they come see me and so by the time they get to me, they've sort of just started to formulate all the questions that they might have about the cancer. So if I don't know how to answer those questions, you know, I'm not doing my job either. So even though I'm, I'm not the, the cancer surgeon, I end up, I end up dealing with that, that issue. You have to, you have to school yourself in that. Sure. In the, in the whole cancer process. Sure. So you have yeah. the answers. Yeah. But you're dealing with men these days too. So men get breast cancer. Yeah. Lots of people think, well, how can I get breast cancer? You know, that men have breast tissue, and so they do get breast cancer. Um, and a man, certainly, it's a, a smaller percentage. For uh, a man, about, that's got to be an incredibly emasculating experience. I, I agree with you. I mean, we talk about it a lot in conferences and things, and it's like, oh, yeah, men get breast cancer. And I'm like, wow, that must be a whole different set of psychological It's like a turmoil. smack in the face. Like if we get yeah. testicular cancer. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, okay. a female can't get testicular cancer. Right. Why should I get breast cancer? <laughs> yeah, there you it's, go. But, you know, we get testicular cancer. We're like, okay, you know, this is something that can happen. We have them. It, it, it could happen, but yeah. we don't have You breasts. don't think about it for breasts. We don't, yeah. have, we don't have, you know, and I know people that have had that. Yeah. I, I knew a young man who he was, we knew him not not in my practice at home where he had had some trauma to his breast and he had to go have a mammogram because after the trauma there was a lump there and it was Ooh. just bleeding and there was a swelling in there. You and imagine he, the he names he was called. Oh, but yeah, like he, you know, you're going he, to get a mammogram. He told this story about his purple nurple for... <laughs> for I mean, purple nurple. <laughs> See, now, that's another thing with breasts, you know, purple nurples. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in Tokyo, you know. These things on them. I just wasted my time. I'm sorry, doctor, but to hear a doctor, is that a medical term? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a medical term. Yeah. Uh, To hear a doctor say that, it's it's actually refreshing. It's actually refreshing to hear because 
Because well, when you when you talk to a doctor, you, you think you're going to get straight cut. You know, doctor. Doctor Marcus Welby. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can go down that. Marcus Welby, MD. I, I can go down that road, but you guys will be asleep. So. Yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> so I'm but, glad you're uh, staying this way. But, I like but it. the point is that this guy had to go have a mammogram and sit in the room with all the women in their in their bathrobes, and you know, I mean, just that, and he didn't have cancer. You know, he just had a he just had a bleeding into an area, and it got better by itself. He didn't have to do anything. So I can imagine male breast cancer. I haven't had a patient who has it. Hey, are we covering everything? Is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you you take care of in your practice? Well, um, I do all kinds of cosmetic surgery, and I do, um, which includes, you know, tummy tucks and facelifts and things like that. So it's not just the breast anatomy. He's looking over at him. I asked you if you, you could do anything about this yet. <laughs> I am um, accepting of the way that I am. Yeah, that's why you grow <laughs> well, a beard, to hide your face. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and um, so there's a, lot of, there's, there's a lot of different body parts involved, not just, not just breasts. Uh, we also take care of, I also take care of skin cancer. So that can be on any, any part of the body. So skin cancer is very common. Um, and I do go on a surgical mission trip every year uh, where we go to other countries and I do uh, surgery just on children. So that's a whole different aspect of my life and my practice. But I do that every year where I, I do, do want to get into that. Yeah, I, I want to get yeah, into I that. I do cleft lips and palates and lots of burn surgery. Burn, what, what, why is it, you know, and, and sorry to get off track, but why is it you see all these kids from all these different countries with like cleft lips? Yeah, really interesting thing about that is that the prevalence of cleft lips, which is the one you can see. You can't really yeah. see the cleft palate, which is on the inside. Uh, the prevalence, uh, the percentages of cleft lips in um, in children in other countries is about the same as it is in the United States. Um, it's just that they all get fixed here. So most people, you know, if you think hard enough about like kids, you know, or, you know, people, you know, or maybe kids that were in your kids' classes, everybody probably knows someone who had one, you but know, got taken point. care of early, but they get fixed yeah. when they're little babies here, and uh, then they get their dental work, and they get their hearing and fixed, and they get their speech worked on, and they get all that stuff that you don't get when you, you know, I show up, I showed up to Ghana in March of this year, um, and we hadn't been there for two years because of COVID uh, since 2019, and um, you know that there were there were kids were coming who were 10 years old who'd never had it fixed, and that's. Much more. Stuck so now you could do like reconstruction on a cleft palate, yeah. or cleft lip, and all that stuff. Yeah, I put yeah. those all back together, and then give them yeah. back some quality of life. But yep. there, there is a there is a sect of your profession which I I take umbrage with for a little bit because there's some unethical practices. And oh, it, don't get me started. There, there, yeah. There's uh, there's people who are doing things where I just do, and I, I we'll we'll go specifically with the field of breasts. Yeah. Um I used to go to a gym with a with a woman and she was an adult star and she was about 5 foot tall and looked like she had basketballs on her chest. <laughs> yeah. She looked absolutely ridiculous and and everything else in between was done, you know, the the curling the iron plants. So, oh, it looked yeah. awful. But she she was an incredibly bright young woman. Bright like super smart drove a high-end Mercedes or something like that. And I, I, so when I, when I got comfortable enough to ask her, I go, why, why, like, why, why do you do that? Cause she couldn't even do lat pull downs because the bar would, it she would do like way. a half rep. Yeah. Um, I said, why do you do this? She goes, cause I make a lot of money doing this. And that's exact, her exact answer to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but some doctor put them in. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't mind that so much. I, I, when, when I have someone who I feel like their motivation makes sense to them and they're not going to 
end up on some psychiatrist's couch because they have it later on because they understand what their motivation is. Um, I don't have so much trouble with that. I, I I have my personal aesthetic about the type of plastic surgery that I do. I think a lot of um, what you see on the street and you go, oh, my God, what, what what's that, you know, giant lips or no. giant breasts um, or the asses now you get the the diaper ass i think i think a lot of that gets into the um you know you make there's a lot of money at stake with mm-hmm. plastic surgery right so anywhere there's a lot of money at stake there's there's a lot of abuse that can happen um but also that's that's part societal right women mm-hmm. are going in and asking for those things but um, do you ever say no i i say no more than i say yes really i was gonna and, say as someone that comes in with that once he's like oversized breasts i say isn't more, it, isn't no it, more than i say yes isn't, isn't uh, it like a doctor over prescribing medication i i that's what that's where i take umbrage well yeah. you know a doctor who makes very those breasts that are way over large look like a clown and you know lips that are way over large that no human being would ever the butts that look so big that you know no human being would ever have those like you're, it's almost like, like you're a, it's almost like you're a costume designer you're at that point you're yeah. not really a plastic surgeon right you're doing something that doesn't look natural it's not like what somebody even a beautiful person could be born with you know i mean angelina jolie has beautiful lips um but and and people were and striving to get that. But- <laughs> I don't know, you know <laughs> but, uh, but, um, that there, there, there was an ideal that people wanted to look that way, but her lips on me would look ridiculous. Right. So that you, it, it didn't, it yeah. didn't, it doesn't matter. A lot of times people get focused on one thing. You get that body dysmorphia, like a Michael Jackson situation. You're right. like, oh, okay. or, or so, the, so or again, these... so again, the woman who, who has very large breasts because she's making money on it and it makes her happy and everybody's happy about it. I don't have any problem with that. Um, but, but you, when you get into the body dysmorphic thing, when when someone comes and I'm a little suspect about their own motivations, or I can tell instantaneously that this is never going to be the end of it, there's going to be something else and there's going to be something else. And what happens with someone who has that problem is that they, they obsess over something and they think that doing this quick surgical procedure is going to fix it. It's going to fill that hole in them. Yeah, yeah. and that hole's never filled. Right? It's like the people that the, the women that want to look like Barbie dolls, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. There's a pathology to yeah. that, right? Like that's not that's not that's not normal. But there's always some doctor. If you're not going to say, if you're going to say no, there's some doctor that's going to say yes. Yeah. And so I, there's that aspect where you so say are to you yourself, losing money because that doctor's well, going to make the I, money. To me, honest to God, it's not the money. To me, it is the if I can do it correctly on this person, I know at least. Um, that they're not going to go somewhere where someone's going to hack them up and make a horrible job of it. Mm. So there's that. But but I do, for my own self-preservation, I, I say no all the time. It looks like I, a Muppet with I, one I, nipple I, up, one nipple down. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that was a question I was leading up to. As a, as a former police officer, I love watching the show Cops. Right, right. Because that's what we did. Did you ever right. watch the show Botched? Um, you know. Um, I've never seen botched, but I, 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 those, those guys are actually, they're, they're good at what they do and they are no, but the surgeons before about what the they do. Surgeons before weren't that good. Yeah. So I, I, a lot of people, I call myself the botched breast surgeon of Bergen County because I do a lot of secondary reviews. I was going to say, did, did, did you get, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what I hear about those guys, it's hard for me to watch reality TV. I can't stand all the yeah, commercials and the nonsense. But um, I've heard that they're very good at what they do and that they really fix people and they do a good job of fixing people. But that I have a similar attitude to that. Um, a lot of plastic surgeons don't like 
um, doing secondary surgery, fixing somebody who's been yeah, fixing someone else's yeah, exactly. Um, I some, think every industry has those fixers. That. Yeah, I love doing that. You know, really love good barbers have them. There's <laughs> somebody who gets a jacked <laughs> right. up haircut. Yeah. Up haircut. Somebody, <laughs> will, some plastic surgeons will I mean, touch somebody else's work. You know, I, I touch up his hair all the so time. So in the studio, just so you know, we have Tower <laughs> our own and and our own Eric Engelhart. They're here viewing, uh, be, sitting behind Andrew. And they're laughing and stuff because we're talking about boobs. Watch, I'm watching him smile right now. Boobs. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just keep but, saying boob and watch Eric go. But that's <laughs> where you. Shoulders be, go. Yeah. That's really where you become. Uh, your your ethics get involved. And is there anybody governing? Oh, there's a lot. Is there anybody governing the ethics of your field? Well, there I know is the an American ethical body. Yeah, the yeah. American uh, College of Plastic Surgery does have an ethical body. So if you do something really out there, um, you can you can get sanctioned. Um, sanctioned? No one's, what, what no one's sending you to jail. You know for yeah. do, for doing it because it's really less, mutilation. Um, you know, you go to those third world countries. So they used they, they used yeah. to do um, yeah. They used to do circumcisions yeah, on women. Yeah, it's so interesting because who knows? Fifty years from now, we might think all breast augmentations are mutilation. You know, they might mm. look back at us and go, "What? They were putting bags in where?" You know, we look at people who used to put uh, arsenic on their face to make it pale or, or the, the, cyanide or whatever it was. It was, was the arsenic to it, to make their cheeks to make red. their cheeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, we look at that and we go, "What are they insane?" You yeah. know, so someone somewhere is going to look back. Well, on th- this things and say, that are going on crazy. today, a hundred years from now, they're going to say, "Like, what are you crazy?" Right. You know, they're going to come up with a new theory that's right. going to say, you know, why'd you put silicone in there? Yeah. Why, you know, why didn't you? So we post- all have to draw our own line. You know what we feel comfortable with. I think cosmetic surgery really is only done well when you don't know someone had it. You know, that's my own personal sure. aesthetic. That's my, that's my own personal aesthetic. I do in order to be a patient who gets me to go past that. You have to give me a really good reason why. You have well, to give me a good reason that I'm comfortable with and that I think the patient will benefit from. Because you're ethical. <laughs> right. Well, there, there's a there's a misconception amongst women that. In order to be attractive to their their attracted sex, uh, you see how I did that. You see how I danced. Yeah, around you dance right around. I dance right around. That you got to have women again in, in general. They they have to be, have big boobs and they have to fill out a dress a certain way. When it's really not the case. It's really not the case. And you know, maybe sorry to disappoint you guys, but the boot breasts are getting smaller, and women are asking for smaller and smaller and smaller. That's a trend. I, I've been doing this for twenty four years, and I will tell you that the sizes that women have been asking for, especially the younger women, they're they're asking for smaller. Sizes. But that's like paying for a Mini Cooper when you can afford a Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> See, sorry to dis- disappoint. I knew it would disappoint. <laughs> when it, how how many people have come to you that had these these? Large breast implants. Yeah, one of them take it out and get them smaller. Well, that was a movie. A lot, did, a did you ever see that HBO movie years ago called Breast Men? It was about the first people. No, actually, it no, was, I never it, saw that. It was about the first people who really learned and and popularized the uh, the breast implants, and they got sued left and right because they were putting in harmful chemicals. Women were were getting cancer. And- you know, there's a really interesting thing about when plastic surgery, sort of in its infancy, you know, in the 70s, and when it all sort of started, and um, you know, it was all male plastic surgeons. It was all female patients. And um, I have had many patients who are in their 70s, maybe, who had um, elective cosmetic surgery in the 70s, 80s. And they went to sleep and no one ever asked them what they wanted. No one ever asked them what surgery they were going to do. No one ever asked them what size they wanted to be. They woke up the way some you get male what you get plastic and you don't surgeon upset. thought they should look. That always and, cracked me up, though. You see someone like this whole sagging body, but their boobs are sticking out <laughs> like this. You know? 
Yeah. Uh, and so I yeah. find that fascinating that you could, you know, that that there are these lots of women out there who they were never asked what size they wanted to be. So a lot of those people will come and they'll and they'll ask. Wasn't there consultations paid. before it? And don't you go through like the different size bags? But it really used to be. You know, bag. now nowadays it's bag. very different. different. Size bags. It's I like mean, you're at shop, right? No, I need the bigger bag. I got I a lot do. of groceries. They go in my office and they try on the different sizes. And you didn't They're, bring what, you didn't bring a sample. <laughs> do you call them bags or, or different size implants? They're sizers. They're sizers. Okay. But, size, size bags. But my, you know, my sorry, I'm body sorry. types change over time. Yeah. You know, if you look at, uh, they would call them Rubenesque women's because Ruben was the artist who they were very full yeah, they were round women, and big hips, and, and you know, if you looked at the women in the '80s, it was beanpole. Now it's it's more heading towards that Rubenesque style, where yeah. you know the bigger butts yeah, and the sure. smaller waist yeah. and stuff like that. So. You know, that's the problem I have with any cosmetic procedure because it's a trend. It's like buying a pair of Cavaricci jeans and in 10 years, they're no green. (laughs) You know what they – you had plenty of pairs. I was too poor to to afford them, but you had plenty of pairs of Cavaricci's. You wore your Capizios with them too. Oh, okay. And your members only jacket. Come on, man. (laughs) You were the only member. (laughs) <laughs> hey, listen. Exactly. But that's – so it seems like this never-ending thing because those women coming in for the bigger breasts several years ago are now coming in to get them reduced because that's the trend. Yes. Where now we have this opportunity in this day and age we live in in order to choose that. You're not born. It doesn't – the way you're born doesn't mean that's the way you end. Yeah. Yeah, so – well, women can women can come in and ask for them bigger and then come back three years later and ask for them smaller. You certainly can do that. That's what, you know, they used to have a, a an adjustable size implant that you could oh, like put a, in. Like the Reebok pump. And I would refuse over and over again to put those in because if you decided Thursday that you wanted a different size from what you were Tuesday, I don't want to have any part of it. They're going out this weekend, said they want huge breasts, and on Monday they're going to come back and they're going to say, yeah, Yeah, I want smaller now. They had adjustable size. Now, if you do, I guess it's a reduction, an implant reduction. If I put a smaller implant in? Yeah, if they come in with bigger ones and they come in and want small ones, is I mean, you have to cut out the skin and all that? Most of the time. They attach, right? Most of the time. So it's not a uh, without consequences because there's scars involved in that. Well, so you probably get this this question quite a bit. Well, here we go. What is the oddest request you've ever gotten? <laughs> I know, I know, you've gotten this one. A third, a third boob. Yeah, like the I, total recall. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if you ever go in for that, I got to see pictures. <laughs> um, I, that's probably the number two most commonly asked question of plastic surgeons. The first one is, how many stitches did you put in? Everybody oh. wants to know <laughs> after after you did a surgery, or you mostly when they get. A, get a cut and you go, they see a plastic surgeon in the emergency room everybody wants to know how many stitches makes no difference by the way yeah. uh, uh, enough enough to fix enough to cut <laughs> enough, enough to, to fill it to All close right. it right um but the oddest thing um i will say the thing that comes to mind first is um I, but i was a resident at this point somebody asked for uh the attending surgeon to remove their belly button and not replace it Whoa. Yeah, which is an unusual request. Um, didn't really seem to have a motivation behind that. Um, and it's interesting because every once in a while I have to remove someone's belly button for, for, for medical reasons. Oh, I was going to say you do it for medical reasons. Medical reasons. That is medical the reasons. oddest And I thing. had one woman who was about to have a gynecological surgery and I was telling her that – Again, for medical reasons, I was going to have to remove her belly button. And uh, uh, our medical term is umbilicus. But at any rate, um, and I told her I was going to remove it. Umbilicolectomy. Yeah. (laughs) Umbilicus. I told her I was going to remove it. She burst into tears and I said, why are you crying? And she said, because where are people going to think I came from? And I was like, 
Okay, never, never thought about. I mean, that. I, the, but the, I'm going to work umbilicus into a into a sentence. <laughs> okay, there you go. But the belly Three button, times today. the belly button is all things connected behind a belly button. Yeah. It's just not superficial. Well, when you remove it, it's just superficial. Is it? yeah. Yeah. It's just the superficial part of it. Yeah. But that, so that was a you know that was just a sort of out there request. I mean, we've all seen pictures of you know the lion lady in the city and oh, people yeah. who want to look like a lion or a lizard and they and split their Jocelyn, tongue down Jocelyn the middle. Jocelyn Willisteen or yeah, whatever. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the, the lion cat. lady. Like I want to get my nipples removed because it's aerodynamic. There you go. But um, I think the thing I see the most, I don't, I don't get a lot of like totally out there requests. Um, a lot, but you do get some. <laughs> not really, not really. But not to, that's I had to reach pretty far back to get the the one who asked to have the belly button removed. Um, but uh, I the, the things that are out there are when someone comes in and they clearly don't need something that they think that they need, you know. Mm. And um, and and those are the those are the the ones that make me feel. Like, that's when I say no, you know, uh, when I can see that wh- whatever, it, you know, the th- requests are getting weirder and weirder, right? Like you want th- this person with this, these big lips that don't look like they could possibly be natural and somebody wants you to put more in, you know, mm. or someone's had so much Botox that they can't move their face and yet they don't want to have to squint when they go in the sun, you know, like those to me are very strange requests because if you just take a half a step back and look in the mirror, you know, you'd see that that's not. That that's not what you need. That that's now, not. Now you'll also do like facial facial reconstruction and all that. Also, I don't do a lot of facial reconstruction here in the United States. Um, my 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 one of my partners um, does a lot of rhinoplasty and does a lot of revision rhinoplasty. Um, Doctor Winters is my partner, and I the, the only cosmetic procedure really that I don't do is noses, and he he does all of them. That would save my life. Uh, did, so I, uh, I had I had the the septoplasty. Uh huh. And that that actually saved my life. Yeah, really. So you, I mean, it, you, what, you had that nose worked on surgically? I couldn't breathe from boxing at such a young age. I mm-hmm. couldn't breathe through my left nostril for mm-hmm. twenty years. Yeah. And when I had that septoplasty done, it's a whole new world. It was a it was a game changer for me because I used to think, and I guess that's a form of plastic surgery, but it's a medical procedure. Yeah. And I used to think plastic surgery was strictly aesthetic. Right. It's it's not. Right. It's not this. Opened up my nostrils and allowed me to breathe for the first time. I remember after, you know, blowing out just the grossest stuff you ever see, <laughs> go just taking a deep breath and going, my God, this is what it's like. Is this that like a deviated yeah. septum? Yeah. Stuff like that? Yeah. yeah it's, that's what, exactly what I had. And and I, I in order to get the rhino, because my nose is crooked, in order to get the rhinoplasty, it was like another 5,000. I'm like, nah, I'm all right with my crooked nose. We'll just I'm leave good. the crooked yeah, nose. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> well, but to take that a step further, he also does um, surgical reconstruction for facial reanimation. So when somebody's born without uh, muscle function on one side of their face and their face kind of droops, um, he, he specializes in that as well. So that's, that's a, just a completely reconstructive side of that, you know, or nasal reconstruction or skin cancer reconstruction or things like that. So. Okay. We, we, we touched on the funniest. Let's hit the worst. <laughs> oh boy. I've seen. I was going to say, what, what was the worst where you just sat back and said, okay, just let me go in the office and I'll be right back. And he said, holy shit, what am I going to do with this? Honestly, the worst I see is when I go on my surgical mission trips yeah. and every single trip, um, you know, I could give you three or four examples of the worst thing I've ever seen that no one here in the United States would ever see. And, and the, the, um, the reason oh, I see a lot of that stuff is because when you have burn surgery, that's not the same as in the United States. Um, anybody who gets a burn across a joint, um, 
can get what's called a contracture, which yep. is where the scar heals so thick. It, 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 it's yeah. incredible, incredibly strong and inc- incredibly tough when it takes months and months and even sometimes years to heal because there's no skin grafting and there's no surgery for it and all that kind of thing. So it's going to be like physical the, therapy and stretching it and all that. too. They don't it? get any of that. They don't yeah. get any splinting. They don't get any of that. So it's uh, they don't get any skin grafting and skin grafts don't necessarily keep you from getting this. But skin grafts in the United States, in addition to all the splinting and the physical therapy that they get. So when you get a burn scar contracture like that, um, I see it all the time. I see kids who have their arms fused to their sides from the shoulder all the way down to the elbow. Mm. Can't put a shirt on. Um, who have their, their elbows stuck in a, in a, in, in, in a very acute position because their wrist is stuck to their shoulder or their heel of their foot is stuck to their buttock because they're, there's literally just scar in there where they literally can't, can't open it or can't, or can't move it. So your heart um, has to bleed for these things when you go there. Just crazy. It's just crazy. I was going to so. say after these missions, you got to take that home with you too. I mean, you, you, when you put your head on a pillow at night, you got to think so about the craziest that stuff thing or, is when you go back to your practice the next day and somebody comes in and says, you know, after you did that Botox, there's this one little wrinkle up here above my eyebrow. You don't know what I've just been through. <laughs> the, the first time you do that, you're like, oh, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, the, the day after 9-11, someone called my office and said, I, you know, I had a Botox appointment for today. Can I come in? And we were like, no. Yeah. We took the day off. You know? Wow. Uh, so, so you yeah. become so narcissistic it's, and self-centered. It's just, yeah, you're just yeah. thinking inside your own the head right uh but you know what i've gotten used to that i i go on a lot of mission trips i go on one every year except for during covid and um uh you see you see the most incredible incredible things um the 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 suffering to use the the podcast name uh that you see in in these developing countries that we we can't even really process because it would never happen here i mean just a simple easy example one of the first I think the first mission trip I went, we were in Morocco and uh, we were doing our thing. And, and next door, there was a, a, a Moroccan surgeon who was taking care of the stuff he always takes care of. And a little, little girl came in with a big cut on her foot. It was just a random, you know, it was just a run of the mill cut, but it was big. And he was stitching it without any anesthesia. anesthesia. Right. So the kid was wide awake and there was no local anesthesia. So you go to the emergency room and they put stitches in you. The first thing they do is they clean it up and then they, they stick needles in you, unfortunately, but they, they numb it so that you can't feel it. And the kids scream in bloody murder. And, um, my nurses uh, were, are losing their minds and everybody's upset that this doctor is, you know, torturing this child. And, uh, they're, oh, why doesn't he use lidocaine? Why doesn't he use lidocaine? And I said, he doesn't have lidocaine. And, sh- you know, a lot of people would say, well, we have it. We have it. We can give it to him. And I said, well, we can, but then tomorrow when we're gone, they're not going to have it again. And they're never going to have it. They're not going to have, it's not like, you know, if you went to the emergency room in the United States and you, somebody started putting stitches in your kid without any lidocaine, you'd be like, get, lidocaine and they'd say well we don't have any lidocaine and you say well then go somewhere else and get it you know like you don't just have that in your head that there's a possibility that there could be a scenario where you couldn't get it you take it for granted we just take it for granted granted. right and it's it's a whole different you have some huge victories though aside from these missions that you take Mm -hmm. you know you you're a plastic surgeon oh you you do boob implants okay (laughs) yeah you do the unnecessary but there's more to it than that sure there's more to that and we have a person in the studio right now who i i know personally the things that you've done for her 
self-esteem and her her way of life and really given her back her life. And that's our very own Tara Madalone. We had her in on episode 76. Yeah. See how I remembered 76? Yeah, see that? See it. And she speaks so glowing about you that that's And why she's we, the reason that yeah. we got Dr. She's Cohen. She's the reason I'm here. It's the first time I heard the boob whisper, the breast <laughs> whisper. Um, you know, so that is that, I mean, I, that's got to be one of your most rewarding stories. That is, um, well, so so Tara's one of my most rewarding stories because uh, her attitude is strange. There's something wrong Tara. with her. There's nobody that should have an attitude that had breast cancer like exactly. her. Uh, There's no one that should go through something that Tara went through and to be uh, as bubbly as Tara is. No, it's disgusting. It, it almost gets me sick because I hate myself sometimes. Which <laughs> Tara is, I walks think, why goes, you had her on Hi. the show, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's just such an amazing example of you know going through a, a, someone going through a lot. Um, and getting to the other side. I think the thing that I um, really like so much and what keeps me going about breast cancer reconstructive, why I've been doing it for so long and will continue to do it for all this time, because it's, it's the hardest thing I do in my practice because the, the time that it takes out of my regular elective practice and the, the, the amount of things I have to shuffle around and change because I found out someone has breast cancer and they need me and I can't tell them, well, come back in October, yeah, exactly. you know, because you, you don't know if you're going to be here in October. You, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't make somebody wait. So it, it's, it's, it's very taxing in order to do it, but the, I, I'll, I'll never stop doing it because doing, Breast reductions make me feel great and doing breast augmentations are fun, but doing breast cancer is, it's, it's a whole different thing because when I meet someone, as I was saying before, when I meet someone who comes, um, once they've just found out they have cancer, you know, they're in that moment in time where all of a sudden they have all these questions in there. They just found so out you're, you're meeting people at the lowest yeah, point of their the life. the worst point of their And life you're, you're right giving them something to look forward and to. What I have at that moment in time is I know the future, right? Like I know that however this comes out, when we get to the end of this, you're going to think about this 100% different than you think about it now because you can't see the end when you hear those words, you have cancer. You know, you can't see the other side. You you have complete you're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck in that exactly. spot right then and there. And I've been doing this for 24 years. I know the other side. I know the majority of the other side. I know the minority of the other side. I see all of it, up, down, sideways. One of the first things I say to people when they come and they and they they found out that they have this and they found out not only that they have cancer, which is, uh, you know, probably the worst word anyone will ever hear. The dreaded um, C word. But also that they're going to have an amputation. You know, I mean, most people Lop don't them think right about off. a mastectomy as an amputation, but that's really what it is. Um, they're going to lose a body part, a body part that has a lot of, you know, emotional stuff. You know, it's not a finger, uh, which is bad enough in and of itself, but it's this it's this symbol of, you know, well, you femininity think, you and think, you think desire. About, think about little girls. Little girl looks in the mirror and says, I can't wait till I grow boobies and, you know, I become a right. woman. That's why they wear stuff. training bras. Right. 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 You know, right. They, they, they think about that as their, their trip into adulthood and then right. all of a sudden one day Right. It's all, it's over. Yeah. So that, that, you know, that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge thing as well. And so one of the first things I tell people when we start talking about this whole breast reconstructive journey, because it is a journey. Um, and I, I use that word with people because I want them to understand that it's not going to be, you know, like a breast augmentation where you're going to come in, you're going to have the surgery, you're going to go home and that's going to be that. Um, and you still got your nipples, (laughs) which is still boggles my mind. Like, the, if there's one takeaway from Tara's episode, 
It was that her, and I didn't think about it. Your nipples got to be reconstructed. Right. Like, not always. Know. Not always. Not everybody has to have their nipple just, removed, but it's, it's take, very common. Cut it off and stick it back on? No, but <laughs> it's a little more complicated. Yeah. It's, actually, nipple reconstruction is my favorite operation. It's, it's, it's become my favorite also. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. It's my favorite hey, operation. If you the got an extra one, just put one over intriguing. there on the side. The nurses in the operating room will tell you, I love doing it. It's fascinating. It's amazing to watch. And because there's nothing there. And then 10 minutes later, it looks like a nipple. Yeah, but um, when, when you cut amazing. the nipple just off, does that pinching. go to pathology too? <laughs> just keep pinching the, the skin pa- until it stays. If you take a nipple off, it goes to pathology with the rest of the breast. Yes. No, no. I know all that stuff gets disposed of after. Right. Who, who keeps those nipples? Yeah. I know so, <laughs> I know there's some there's some devious guy out there that's reality, taking that nipple. Reality, there's a serial killer out there who used to collect them. Uh, yeah, they, see, I'm yeah, telling yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, so it's like a name, buffalo bill thing. Ed Gain. It was my Ed cousin. Gain. It was my yeah, cousin. Yeah. So it's Ed Gain. Ed Gain, yeah. Ed Gain is one of He's one of the most. He's one of the most. He's one of the most prolific serial killers. He was a loner, and I think it was Wisconsin or something like that. Mm-hmm. Killed his you, mother first or something. But he's yeah, seen more but, nipple in his life than you have. But he made. Um, <laughs> there they have pictures of it on the internet. He he made like a a, a glove a out of human or a hand neck, or a necklace. It or was something. a belt out of nipples. Yeah. It was yeah. a nip, it was a nipple so, belt. So put that in your pipe and <laughs> yes. smoke it. So yes, there are and he, he was he was constructing a whole skin suit to reconstruct his mother or something oh, like that. Yeah. But like yeah, that. so they God is some weirdos in this world. Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting right And I'm joking them. about him. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Doc, where were we? The nipple surgery. It's amazing. It's really it's my favorite surgery because it's so simple to do. And and like compared to the breast reconstruction, um, it's a breast reconstruction is a much and much a much broader journey. But what I was saying was the first thing I say to someone when they come to my office and their head's in a, in a tailspin because they just found out they have cancer and then they found out they have to have a body a body part, you know, altered in a significant way, um, is I say, you know, when we're done with all of this, my goal for every single patient who walks into my office who found out that they have to have mastectomy is that when we're all finished with this, uh, maybe a journey and maybe whatever, it's not going to be tomorrow, but when we're all finished with this, my goal for you is that you get up in the morning, you put your clothes on, you go, and you don't have to think about me or that breast or anything because you feel like you look good and you feel okay and you can put your clothes on and you can go about your business. And when we get there, that's when you and I are done with our journey. So um, that's, you know, that's my goal for everybody. Everybody gets there in a different way. Everybody gets there in their own way. Sometimes it's faster. Sometimes it's slower. Sometimes there's simple surgery. Sometimes there's really, really complicated surgery. Um, uh, you know, that's what I was doing this morning before I came here. But you know, um, you say they're, they're done with their journey, but you're not done with them. You have to have an emotional bond with that person for the rest of your life. Oh, I, hopefully Tara and I are going out for drinks. After this, <laughs> <but>. So <laughs> I, and this is going to sound like a really weird segue, but I, in college, I put up swimming pools. Okay. That's how I, that was my college job. Here's what I learned from putting up swimming pools. I will never own a swimming pool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You being somebody who works with breasts on a daily basis, and you don't see a whole lot of this yeah. in in your field where they get the surgeries that they're performing. Is it just because you're, listen, I'm, I'm done, I'm over it. Is that what it is? <laughs> you know? I, uh, she's happy in her own body. Well, no, that's, that, that's, that's a valid question. You know what's question. really interesting about that, actually? I, you know, I don't know how much you know about the actual process of breast reconstruction, but there's there's basically two categories of breast reconstruction. You can have breast reconstruction that can make a breast with implants, mm-hmm. and I can make a breast with body tissue. So that's that's uh, where we move body tissue from one area to the to the other. I was going to say, it's almost like you 
grafting? I want to say suck fat out of somewhere. No, and- no. So that's a little different. That's that that's called fat grafting, and you you can't really make make a fully sized breast doing that. You can fill in small areas, but when we do um, moving uh, 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 moving body tissue around, um, we do that with microsurgery. So it's a complicated surgery. You take usually skin and fat from the from the belly. Um, attached to a blood vessel that you reconnect up in the breast, and then you use that skin and fat in the same way that the breast would be sitting in the body, so the whole breast is made out of body tissue. That's a vastly more complicated procedure than an implant procedure. Um, some patients aren't a candidate for There are lots of patients that aren't a candidate for it for various reasons that, uh, you know, go past our discussion here. But, um, um, but um, that, you know, there are very different ways of, of doing uh, breast reconstruction. Um, so the for patients have to understand that, you know, first thing yeah, that they, that, that, you know, they have to sit down and they have to like understand what the differences are before we can even start to talk about what's appropriate for them and, and all that kind of thing. Um, well, young, young folks, young medical students getting involved in your field. And this goes back to the social media question. You know, what, Oh, what they all so, want to do Botox. But, but well, but that's where the money is. But what? <laughs> and it's it's quick and easy. Yeah. What is what is some advice of the twenty four years you've been doing this? What is some advice that you would give that young doctor going into this field? Yeah, I think a lot. I think unfortunately, because of Instagram and because of television shows and because of what you see, I think I think um, a lot of medical students they they don't actually get a really good idea of what plastic surgery entails, because I think a lot of them do think that it entails doing, you know, Brazilian butt lifts and, and, uh, and doing breast augmentations and doing Botox. Um, and, uh, really to get a really good idea of what plastic surgery is about, you've got to go into the surgical specialty and you've got to go into the operating room and see what we really do. Because uh, a lot of people don't realize how much, we are involved with general surgery and with cardiac surgery and with orthopedic surgery and with any type of situation where the human body has to be altered in a major significant way. And a lot of times we deal with really nasty, horrible wounds, really nasty, horrible cancer, really nasty, horrible amputations and things like that. Um, and that's the stuff that's important. That's the stuff that's interesting. That's stuff that's challenging. I mean, I hope most people don't go into plastic surgery to have an easy life because I don't it's think there's not any, the way well, to they, do it. They think the money's good. And I don't think it, there's any It's not doctors. the way to really like, do it. What, and the, most of us who went into plastic surgery a long time ago, the idea was you, the cosmetic stuff came later. You know, you learned how to do the complicated stuff. You learned, you, you, you went into the operating room, you spent hours and hours and hours in the operating room learning how to do the really complicated stuff so you could fix anything. And then the cosmetic stuff is easy. You went through the suffering. This, the, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what you did. You have, you have to have a love for it yeah. to, oh, in order to be good for it. Oh, so you have to be a good and, breast and, surgeon. Who, me? Me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At least you'd be good at one thing then. But you have to really have a love for it. Right. And- and these people, like you said, the reality TV show, you don't have commercial breaks in your life. Right, right. You know, in, in your profession, you don't yeah. have commercial breaks where, you know, they see that, like, I watch that Dr. Pimple Popper every once in <laughs> oh, a while, God. you know, and she goes in there and all of a sudden they go to a commercial break. The guy comes back and he's, he looks fine. Yeah. That's that's you know, the television version of TikTok. Just right. so you know, you can't, once you watch it, you don't want to watch it. You just can't stop. And then you, you can't, can't stop. turn it off. Yeah. 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 My kids all watched it. Um, well, doctor, where can we find you? Like if there was if there was one of our audience members that wanted to 
is in need of your services, where mm-hmm. can we find you? So, Dr. Stephanie Cohen. Um, we're in Cohen Winters Plastic Surgery, and I'm in Maywood, New Jersey. Um, and so, obviously, everybody has the internet. They can go on the internet and find find well, my we'll, office. We'll put a link to it in our in our show notes because you know, out of everything, we 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 right. are fans of breast implants. <laughs> um, so we want to and, get and breast augmentation. You're you're here. You're you're being very open with us. You're being very honest with us, and you're answering a lot of questions from a male perspective. That I'm sure a lot of our audience members have. It's not all third grade giggling. Sure, it's a lot it's of it a, was. A lot of it is, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I mean, I th- Andrew was keeping a, a, a boob counter every time we said boobs. He wrote it down. Every once in a while, <laughs> well, Andrew, you, no honking sound, Andrew. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the, that was the running joke before we started. But you've done this for 24 years. Yeah, you've seen it. You've seen a lot from your trips overseas to the people that. You, you've helped here to the women that you've helped with their self-esteem because we're coming to the end of this thing. And I like to ask everybody what your suffering in your field has taught you. What it teaches you when you go through seeing so many lives being bust apart in so many different ways and then being the person that can help put them back, back together again. I hope that it teaches the person doing it um, how to get people to the other side of it, right? I mean, because that's what this podcast is about too, right? I mean, you know, it's about getting people to the other side. And again, if, you know, I have a friend who went to the operating room today um, to have part of her uterus taken out. And all weekend long, she was just terrified of what they were going to tell her afterwards, you know? And again, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at her and I'm thinking, you know, I know what she's going through. I know exactly what she's going through. But I also know... That on Monday, you know, she's going to get good news. She's going to get bad news. I think she's going to get good news. Um, And it was good news in the operating room today. Uh, But I know that people get to the other side, you know, whatever it is. And whatever you have to do, you're going to do it. And then you're going to you're going to heal and you're going to get past it. And you're going to look back and you go, wow, it was it. I thought there was like just this just this locked door that I was never going to get past. And I know that all those people are going to get are going to get past it. And, you know, is that to say that nobody ever dies and nobody ever gets terrible news of, of course you do um but uh you know you you, you can you can get it's, through things it's hope yeah you, yeah. you gotta go in with a positive yeah. attitude and you know if, if you go in with a defeatist yeah. attitude you're gonna be defeated i think that's what you what you offer and more, more than your talents and more your reconstruction and more more than your art ability it's you give people hope yeah and so many people so many problems are not as big as we think they're going to be. You know, I mean, there's it, it. There's that tiny percentage of really terrible things that turn out to be really terrible. You know, there's that small percentage. Um, but we spend so much time worrying about what if this happens and what if that happens and what if that happens. And and this is what I said to my friend, you know, last week is like, you're all these horrible things are going through your head. And then next week you're going to find out the damn thing is benign and you're going to say, why did I spend two and a half weeks like making myself insane? Wasted time. Totally yeah. wasted time. Totally wasted Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Dr. Cohen, I thank you so much for coming in today. Pleasure. It was this an is, absolute pleasure. I mean, yeah, we, like I said, we you talk for forever. It, it, we, I, listen, I'm we could, retired. We could, I go all could, night. We could break it apart into different pieces <laughs> of, of, the work of boobs, <laughs> uh, but we do have to end sometime. And I do thank you for coming in. Yeah, this is pleasure. a big one. This my is a big one. And that's going to do it for this episode of the suffering podcast. But as always, before we leave, we think about what we learned. There's a lot of terms for breast, and we tried to go through many of them here, but the biggest one is boobs. The biggest one's boobs. We that's just, my we're going to say boobs. That's third grade. Yeah. <laughs> boobs. Quality of life is absolutely priceless. Umbilicus, right? 
Umbilicus. Umbilicus. Umbilicus is my new word. Umbilicus. I got to get that one. Reconstruction is way more than just cosmetic. But most importantly, we are so fortunate in this country, thanks to Dr. Cohen. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of a Plastic Surgeon with Dr. Dr. Cohen. And as always, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow The Suffering Podcast on Instagram. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And we will see you on the next episode of The Suffering Podcast.